0: To the north of Edinburgh city centre, and skirting the banks of the Water of Leith, you'll find Stockbridge, a neighbourhood that boasts a rich history that transcends its current status as a vibrant urban area. Originally, Stockbridge existed as a separate village distinct from the bustling city. Eventually, in 1831, Stockbridge was officially amalgamated into Edinburgh, becoming an integral part of the expanding city. This integration marked a significant juncture in Stockbridge's history as it transitioned from a standalone village to an essential component of Edinburgh's diverse urban landscape. The name Stockbridge derives from the Scots words stock meaning a timber footbridge and brick meaning bridge. The village's growth was closely tied to its location along the water of Leith, facilitating trade and contributing to its development as a prosperous community. Due to its position, it was key in supporting the local mills dotted along the waterway. Stockbridge evolved into an attractive residential area, characterised by elegant Georgian and Victorian architecture. And for those of you who are fans of rugby, Rayburn Place is the site where the first Calcutta Cup match was played in 1879. Today it stands as a testament to the enduring spirit of Edinburgh's neighbourhoods, blending history with contemporary vitality, but like many such areas, it also has a darker side. One notable, terrible chapter in Stockbridge's history delves into the disturbing events surrounding a house on Shane Street. In October 1888, a group of young friends decided to fashion a makeshift football from an oilskin bundle they'd stumbled upon in the lane behind Shane Street. After kicking the ball around for a while, the bundle fell apart and exposed something that would horrify them and leave a stain on the area for years to come. Inside, they made a horrifying discovery the lifeless body of a deceased child. This shocking find prompted an immediate alert to the authorities and suspicion swiftly turned toward Jessie King and her partner, Thomas Pearson, who owned the lodging house close to where the bundle of rags was found. The truth that unfolded was hard to comprehend. The lodging house at 4 Shane Street where the owners seemingly offered accommodation for unwed mothers and their infants, engaged in a far more sinister practice. Under the guise of providing care for the children, the owners engaged in a macabre operation known as baby farming. King and Pearson scoured the local newspapers for adverts posted by desperate mothers who, for whatever reason, were unable to care for their children and so put them up for adoption. Responding to the adverts, they promised to take the child and raise them as their own. Something the desperate mothers were keen to do. After all, this was a couple who, on the face of things, looked like a well-to-do Victorian couple and gave off the air of respectability. Tragically, the reality was far more nefarious. The conditions within the lodging house were deplorable and many children faced neglect, malnutrition and even death. The squalid conditions came to light when the lifeless bodies of several infants were discovered in Jesse King's residence. This shocking revelation sparked public outrage and led to legal action against King and Pearson, with King confessing to everything, meaning Pearson got off scot-free. In 1889, King was tried and convicted for neglect and cruelty, being sent to the gallows for her part in one of the darkest chapters in Edinburgh's history. Thankfully, stories like this are as shocking as they are rare, and while Stockbridge has a darker side, it also has a haunted side. Perhaps the area's most notable haunting happened in one of its more affluent streets, Royal Circus. Royal Circus is a circle of Georgian townhouses designed by architect William Playfair and built between 1821 and 1829. The neoclassical-style houses, marked by iconic columns and symmetry, reflect the architectural trends of the early 19th century. Each townhouse has a unique character, contributing to the overall charm of Royal Circus. Beyond its architectural significance, the site holds historical value as a residence for the city's elite during the 19th century. Circus Lane, adjacent to Royal Circus, served a practical purpose as stables for the affluent residents, embodying the functional aspect of the elite lifestyle in the 19th century. Today, Royal Circus stands as a preserved example of Georgian architecture in Edinburgh. By the early 1970s, many of these formerly majestic properties had been transformed into self-contained units, still under the ownership and occupancy of those with the means. While most buildings had found new life, there was one lone property that stood vacant for a few years and was in the process of undergoing renovations to be repurposed into apartments. A local group of workmen, thrilled to secure the contract for the renovations, soon discovered why the property had stood empty for so long. As is often the case in such tales, the onset of the haunting was subtle, catching the men off guard. In the beginning, the disturbances were inconspicuous, tools mysteriously relocating, equipment stored overnight appearing in different corners of the property, or a hammer left on the floor during breaks mysteriously vanishing by the time the men returned. Naturally, the men blamed each other, assuming the disappearances were an attempt at practical jokes. Yet the perception would soon shift as they came to the unsettling realisation that there was nothing funny about these peculiar occurrences. The day that would eventually turn the men into believers began unremarkably. Upon reaching the property, they resumed their tasks from the previous day. Each man dispersed a different section of the property to tackle their assigned duties. As one of the men worked near the foot of the main staircase, he caught the faint sound of what he interpreted as movement emanating from the floor above. Assuming it to be a workmate, he called out to find out who it was, only to be met with an eerie silence. After a brief pause, during which only the muffled sounds of hammering and power tools echoing from distant rooms could be heard, he concluded he must have been mistaken, so carried on working. After a few minutes, he felt a breeze blow past his face, and on looking up, he saw a dark-haired woman in a long white dress disappear through a doorway. Thinking someone was in the house with the workman, he called out to her, but again was met with complete silence. No one replied, and, curiously, he couldn't hear the sound of movement. After a second or two of uncomfortable silence, he took after the woman. Following the route she'd taken, he was quickly in the room he'd seen her enter, but she was nowhere to be seen. He ran through another door to an adjoining room, again, no one there. Puzzled and concerned, he called out to his workmates, who soon came to see what the fuss was about. Explaining what he'd seen, they investigated the rest of the house, exploring every room on every floor, but their search turned up nothing. There was no sign of her. The men naturally came to the conclusion that the woman must have gotten into the property, but a delivery was being made and had managed to get out without being noticed so tried their best to put the events of the day out their minds. However, this occurrence repeated itself on numerous subsequent occasions. A young woman with long, dark hair, clad in an old-fashioned white dress, was observed drifting around the property. The men were left bewildered, unable to track the women down, no matter how thoroughly they searched. And it begged the question, how was she getting in, and how was she getting out? The men's confusion, soon give way to belief. A few weeks after the enigmatic woman's initial appearance, three of the workmen enjoyed their lunch, unaware that a subtle chill was filling the air. The surroundings began to shift imperceptibly around them. The radio, once playing softly, now emitted an eerie static. The room darkened and an unsettling silence settled in, Suddenly, the temperature dropped noticeably, prompting the workmen to exchange puzzled glances. Just as they were on the verge of dismissing this strange occurrence, the ghostly figure of the dark-haired woman slowly walked into the room, sending shivers down their spines. The men watched, mouths wide open, as the figure seemed to glide across the floor towards a closed door on the other side of the room. Before reaching the door, the women began to fade away, disappearing right before their eyes. Now there could be no doubt, they hadn't been tricked or outpaced by someone who'd snuck into their property. They'd seen a ghost. The apparition of a young woman with long dark hair, wearing an old-fashioned white dress. The three men immediately downed tools, then ran out the property. Overwhelmed by fear and unable to muster the courage to resume work, the distressed workmen sought solace from their union representative. Struck by the authenticity of their terror, the union rep, recognising the need for unconventional intervention, reached out to a psychic they had consulted for a reading in the past. A few days later, the psychic arrived at the property, accompanied by the rep who provided moral support. The witnesses, paralysed by dread, hesitated to re-enter the building and waited outside. Undertaking a thorough walkthrough of each room, the psychic claimed to establish a connection with the spirit of the long-deceased woman. On leaving the premises, she spoke with the anxious workmen. Assuring them there was nothing to fear, the psychic conveyed that the apparition they'd encountered was at peace and harboured no ill intentions. Following a lengthy discussion with the Union Rep, the workmen agreed to return to their duties, albeit with stringent conditions, pairing up for work and a firm commitment to avoid solitary tasks. The lingering unease was palpable as they cautiously stepped back into the haunted building, their collective apprehension, a constant companion but they reported no further sightings or interactions with the dark-haired woman. The events that transpired at the haunted property left an indelible mark on the workmen, their experience serving as a chilling reminder of the supernatural. After the visit from the psychic and the union rep, there were no further sightings or eerie occurrences reported by those working on the renovations. It seemed as though the psychic's intervention had brought a sense of closure and the spirit of the dark-haired woman had found peace. As for the identity of the woman, local lore suggests that the apparition could be connected to the property's history, possibly a former resident or someone with a strong emotional tie to the place. The specifics remain shrouded in mystery, but the psychic's assurance that the spirit meant no harm offered a semblance of comfort to those who had witnessed her ghostly presence. Over the years, residents of the converted property haven't reported any encounters with the dark-haired woman. Whether she's moved on or found solace in the resolution brought by the psychic's visit remains a matter of speculation. It could also be possible that she still visits, with residents too fearful to report encounters. While the haunting at Royal Circus may have faded into the annals of local legends, it serves as a testament to the mysterious and sometimes unsettling history that coexists with the grandeur of Edinburgh's architectural wonders. The juxtaposition of elegance and the supernatural creates a unique tapestry, weaving together the past and present in the cobblestone streets of Stockbridge.